All right, Carrie, you want to pray for us? Heavenly Father, God, I just thank you, Father, that you are sovereign over all things, God. I thank you, Father, that you are all things to all people. I thank you that you loved us. You loved us so much that you gave us your son. Jesus, I thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for the ability to be able to gather together as a common body of believers this morning. I pray as we come together this morning that our hearts and our minds would be open to the things of you. In Jesus' name, amen.
Yeah, will I praise you? Yeah, will I praise you?
Father, thank you for that truth, Lord God. Father, that you alone, God, are worthy of all honor and praise. Father, there is none like you, Lord God. Father, your love endures forever, Lord. That no matter what we're facing, God, no matter where we've been, Father, you continually reveal yourself to us, Father. I pray, God, that we would respond to that revelation, Father, for you are pleased to reveal yourself to us through your Son, Jesus. And there's no other way to you except through Him. So, Father, I pray that as we open your word this morning, Father, that we would be attentive to the leading of your Holy Spirit, God. Father, that we would put aside, Father, the, the issues of the day, God, that we would throw off the sin that so easily entangles us, God, and that we would have ears to hear, and that our hearts would be of good soil, Father, that we would respond, Lord. God, that we would not only be hearers of the word, but that we would be doers. That our lives, O oh God, would be laid aside, Father. That your will would be done in and through us, Lord. I pray for those today, God, who are here, Father, who have not yet called upon the name of the Lord. I pray that today would be the day that they would call upon the name of Jesus and be saved pray, God, that you would raise us up to be effective laborers in your harvest field, Lord. That we would be about our Father's business. Looking towards the day, Father, of your return to gather us unto yourself. We thank you for this, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Alright, well, good morning. So today I'm just kind of doing a review from New Year's Eve. Um, then I also have a portion of scripture that I want to read and kind of encourage us as we go from this place today. But we have a new verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20. For the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk. It is living by God's power. The kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk. It is living by God's power. This new life in Christ, you all. If you're sitting here today and you're calling yourself a Christian, then your goal is, your ultimate goal is, is to be more Christ-like. Not in and of your own strength, not in and of your own flesh. The Bible itself says, why are you trying to work out what you received in the spirit in the flesh? Because it can't be done. See, it's not about good works. It's not about striving to do good. No, it's just about a life of surrender. Surrender to Christ. Because when your eyes have been open to Him, His vic victory over death and sin, 
when you realize that now as you call upon his name and you are now saved, that you are engrafted into his kingdom, into his family, you are adopted, you are now a child of God, then you realize your dependence is not on yourself, nor is it on man. It is only on Christ. Only he can deliver you unto righteousness. He can strengthen you in this day and age to walk upright. Not to go your way, but to go his way. And so your Christian life is not based on just a lot of words. <laughs> Claiming to be a Christian and yet not living like one. You see, Paul, when he was addressing the church in Corinth, there were issues in the church. Men were coming into the church, perverting the word of God. Watering down the word of God. And Paul was addressing the pride that was beginning to build up in the hearts of the men and women in the church. And so I just want to kind of walk through this. In order to understand this verse, we need to read 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 through 20, which says, So I urge you, this is Paul writing to the church, to imitate, imitate me. That is why I have sent Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord. He will remind you of how I follow Christ Jesus. Just as I teach in all of the churches wherever I go. Some of you have become arrogant, thinking I will not visit you again. But I will come and soon, if the Lord lets me, and then I'll find out whether these arrogant people just give pretentious speeches or whether they are really rather they, rather they really have God's power. For the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk, it is living by God's power. You see, Paul was deeply burdened for the saints at Corinth. They had fallen to a sad spiritual state of pride after listening to the wisdom of men instead of the word of God. He was going to come soon to address this pride issue. But before he did, he exhorts them in verse 16 to be imitators of me. So was Paul himself guilty of pride in saying this? No. For later in 1 Corinthians 11.1 1, he says, And you should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. And so the challenge for us this year is to live as Christ. To allow our character to really develop. We're lacking in character. All of us. And we should have a desire to, to grow even more Christ-like. Like if we would be committed, if, if just a small group of people would be committed for 365 days in one year, could you imagine what God would do among us? and in us and through us. Could you imagine the lives that would be impacted as you're going about your day-to-day -day lives? Could you imagine God receiving all the glory and the honor? Could you imagine getting to a place where you can look at someone and say, imitate me as I imitate Christ? To truly disciple people, to encourage them, in the Word of God, not through man's wisdom, but through God's Word. 
encouraging them to be dependent upon the Holy Spirit, not upon themselves, to do good, to do right. See, so many times what we do in our Christian walk is we make it a to-do list. And we see this list as if it's unattainable. No, I'm just not good enough. I can't do this. And then, then we fall, and then we get wallowed around, back up into sin, enslaved to it, feeling hopeless, defeated. And yet that's not the Christian life. The Christian life is the life that is empowered by the Holy Spirit to do good. See, the Holy Spirit works it in us to stay away from the things we ought not to be going to. The Holy Spirit quickens us not to say the things that we shouldn't be saying. And it's the Holy Spirit that quickens us to take thoughts captive that we ought not to be thinking. It's the Holy Spirit that gives us the power to demolish strongholds in our lives. And remember, I want to keep bringing this back to us. Strongholds are those areas and those patterns of thoughts that we are believing that are contrary, that are opposite to the Word of God. You see, this year, in order for us to grow in our character, we've got to grow more like Christ. We've got to get into His Word. We've got to develop, you know, discipline daily. Are you hungering for the things of God, you all? Do you have a hunger for His Word? Is His Word truth? Because it ought to be to you. If you're a Christian, you can take this living word, apply it to your life, and watch your life change. You see, you have to ask yourself, what is your hope in? <laughs> Do you just come to Christ just to get good things? <clears throat> you just come to Christ to fix your, your finances, your health, your, your marriage, your family? I mean, what is, what is your hope in coming to Christ? Because trust me, your hope ought not to be on the temporal things of this earth for Christ to fix. Your hope is in Christ is the salvation that he gives. Your hope is in, in Christ is the deliverance from darkness to light. That you are now raised up to be an image bearer for the lost. That you are pointing others to the one. To the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And in that hope, in that hope, in Jesus and in Jesus alone, it will start impacting your finances. It will start impacting your family. It will start impacting other circumstances in your life. Because you're changing. You go from the old to the new. You've been born again. And again, our, our goal is not perfection. Our goal is maturing. Our goal is to not stay where we've been, but to get up. And not to allow yourself to be defeated by your mind. I'm listening to this book. It's not a, it's not a Christian man. But I'm listening to it because I find it interesting. He is a motivational speaker, and he's a, he's a Navy SEAL, and he has a foul mouth. <laughs> Takes everything I can to keep listening to it. 
because it's uh, he's really foul with his language. But I'm impressed by him because he's taking a biblical principle and he's teaching it to men and to women. And people are beginning to see their lives impacted. And you know what that biblical principle is? Take every thought captive. Your mind is your own enemy. Because how does the Bible teach us? It says, how does he transform us? By changing the way we think. And this guy's got thousands upon thousands of followers. And his testimony of what he has been able to accomplish in his life is phenomenal. But the sad thing is, and I'm praying for him, and I'm going to end up writing him, and I'm believing, I'm going to pray and believe that that email gets across to him. Like he's missing out on Jesus. I've told you all before, if you look at all the false religions out there, they all have some element of truth, of biblical truth in them. See, people can put kingdom principles into practice and it'll work for them. But they won't gain entrance into the kingdom. Because they don't have Jesus. They don't know Jesus. That's why it can't just be a lot of talk. It has to be of power. Mm. <clears throat> and this guy can, can do a lot of talking. And he can encourage a lot of people. Because just listening to him encourages me. I mean, this guy was down and out. I mean... His family life and how he grew up and what he had had to endure and what he learned it was his mind that was his own enemy and he stood up in the mirror and he began to talk to himself he began to change his mindset he said I began to pull up my pants I don't let them sag anymore. <laughs> he said, I begin to tuck my shirt in. I, I begin to hold myself differently. He said, I begin to shave my head. Because he tried to carry this image of a thug. And he endured racism. He endured beatings. He endured such, I mean, unbelievable stuff that none of us, sitting in this room. Though we all have our sad story, his is sadder. <laughs> I mean, my heart broke as I'm listening to him. And I couldn't even imagine what he endured as a kid. And even as an adult. It's got a lot of talk. It's got a lot of talk. And yet, though he's accomplishing what he is setting out to do, he still lacks power. He still lacks power. And I want to ask you all this. Are you just allowed to talk? You can set out this year to, to do this or to do that. And maybe you're not setting out this year to do anything. Maybe you're just stuck where you've been for the past 20 years. 
But the sad thing is, is that you have an opportunity in Christ to be different. To be different. Think of your life. Think of your own mental struggles and issues that you have faced. No matter what your age is. Think of the insecurities that that plague your mind when you're just by yourself. When you're laying down in bed. What motivates you daily to get up? What are you drawn to? Or what keeps you bound or enslaved? You see, we're all born into sin. Every single one of us. We're in rebellion towards God and His kingdom. But God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever would believe in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. You see, that is the good news. I was reading my journal last night. I can't believe it's been almost 20 years since I gave my life to Christ. I mean, this journal is crazy, man. I told you all before, if you've ever read it, you would think, this guy is insane. I mean, I sat there last night just on the floor next to my bed, and I was reading it, and I was like, God, what you did in my life is truly amazing. It's nothing of myself. In and of myself, I would be where I was, doing me living for me, somehow thinking I was happy, but in reality, I was broken. I hated Jesus. I didn't want to be around anything really that was good. But God. But God. You see, all my choices that I was making, and if you read through this journal, you see me constantly talking about the voices in my head, the demons in my heart. The darkness that was surrounding me. How I wanted them to be silent. How I felt that light was coming upon me. Because in the beginning of this journal, I wasn't looking for Jesus. I wanted to be a phoenix. I wanted to be the bird that rises out of the ashes. That's how I start this journal. That I knew that there was something I needed to do in my life. Because I was dying. I knew there was darkness. Because I I embraced the darkness wherever I went. I felt the darkness in rooms and in people would give me power. I used to believe that I would kiss a person and suck their soul from them. That's how I lived. I wanted power. But something was happening. Something was stirring up within me. To say, God, I want to be... Well, I wasn't calling on God at that time. But I just knew that I wanted to be different. I didn't want to be the man who was a victim. I didn't want to be that young boy who was molested. I didn't want to be that young boy who didn't have a father. I didn't want to be that young boy who who didn't have a family. Even though I had a family, I felt so alone by myself. So the streets raised me. I was just making decisions and choices just to survive, you all. And all along, living a life in complete rebellion. But Jesus, you all, all through my life, and all through your life, 
He's been there revealing himself to you. He's been there. See, we can blame him. We can get mad at God and we can blame God. Isn't it funny we, when we don't believe in God, yet when we're angry and things go wrong in our life, who do we blame? God. It's the most craziest thing. You talk to people who don't believe in God, and yet there's a lot of people who are angry at God and they don't even believe in God. He's the first that we turn to and say, it must be his fault. This happened to me, so it's his fault. I'm angry at God. What are you angry at God for? What did God do? God loves. God restores. God heals. You see, all through your life, Jesus is being revealed to you. I can remember at a young age. See, as I was reading that journal last night, I started remembering, as I've done previously, all the times Jesus has stepped into my life. All of a sudden, I started having memories as a kid. You know where I found joy and escape to get away from the brokenness of my life? It was in church. I remember working in vacation Bible school. I remember the times that, you know, I did things and and I just wanted to be in church. I remember all the different things when, when, when Jesus would step in. And yet... As I grew and as I matured, I started hating him. More and more. Not believing in him. More and more. Darkened by this world and by the desires that are within. You see, the Bible says, where does sin come from? It comes from the desires that are from within. It's not anyone else. It's you choosing. I shared with you before when my grandpa used to sit down with me and talk to me about Jesus. I mean, he was the only one that truly, I believe, was a Christian around me. Because in my head, I'm thinking, man, Paul's best friend is Jesus. I'm like, wow. And yet, the memory of him faded away for years of my life. I never thought about the man until I went to end my life. You see, Jesus stepping in each of your lives. Even today, I don't know where you're at today, where you've been yesterday or this past week. I don't know what you're going to face tomorrow or the days ahead. But I do know this. Jesus is saying, here I am. You see, I love you with an everlasting love. I know the plans that I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Stop going your way. Trust me. As I was saying earlier, this man that I'm listening to, his book is really encouraging. It's interesting. But he's all talk. But he has a biblical understanding of how to live a successful life. Face your mind. Face Your thoughts. Change your thoughts, change your life. That's his motive. Change your thoughts, change your life. Right now, dude, you're making a lot of money on a biblical principle. I mean, can we all just hear that again? Change your thoughts, change your life. 
And that is all throughout Scripture. You don't need some guru to encourage you in that. You need the Word of God. You need the power of God. But again, you can take biblical principles and apply them and not know Jesus. And they'll work for you. Again, you can look at all the false religions out there, all the religions that are out there, and if you truly study them, and if you truly look at them, they all have biblical truth in them. Because that's how the enemy works. He takes truth, he twists it, and he deceives people with it. Did God really say? And as soon as he gets you thinking, you go your way and not God's way. But see, when the enemy comes and questions you, do, did God really say, you should be able to turn around and say, yes, he did. And this is what he said. And you should know the word. And you should be speaking the word. And confessing the word as truth in your life. And not just that, you should be living the word. Putting these principles in practice in your life. Because that's where true victory comes. When you recognize that God, even though he gets blamed for everything, he is a loving God. And he sent his one and only son to take your punishment. So that you wouldn't have to endure. No one else is going to do that for you or for me. Like he came, he humbled himself, fully man, fully God. And one of my favorite studies to do is to go from Genesis to Revelation and see the theme of God's word. Is that he will call a people to himself. That they will be his people and in return he will be their God. That they will live for him. That they would honor him in their families, in their businesses, in their relationships. You see, church is just not a, a place to come and just like, okay, this is what we do, and we check it off and we just go away. No, church is a family. Church, church is a group and a body of believers coming together, no matter where they meet, trusting in God to move among them and to be used of God to impact the lives of others. Isn't it the most craziest thing, you all, that the message of love, the message of hope, the message of peace is the message and the person of Christ who is attacked the most. The world hates Jesus, you all. It's crazy. He's a God of love. And yet he, he is hated. His message is of one of peace. And yet for thousands of years... Governments, men, have tried to snatch the word from people. Even denominations, in order to rule over the congregation, they kept the word from people. And they made it about the men who's overseeing the church. And that's not what Christ came to, to do. Like, Why? Would a man of such love and his message of such freedom be hated by the majority? Ah, when you really get to that answer, your spiritual eyes will be open. You would recognize right away, wait a minute. I've been deceived this whole time following my way, following the lie of the enemy 
who comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I mean, I've told you all this before. Isn't it funny? We were raised up in, in, in circumstances of our, in our family lives. If someone is raised up in an alcoholic home, an abusive home, a home that is torn apart and twisted and everything else, you would think that that individual would say, you know what, I don't want any of that. I want to live differently. Like, I'm going to make different choices and different decisions. I'm going to be different. I'm not going to be walled up in that mess. Oh, but what happens? They become just as worse as the generations before them. Further away from God, and they become the very thing that destroyed them and continues to destroy them. You see, there is a real enemy, you all. And he comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He comes to pervert the word of God, to twist it, to feed your rebellion towards God so that ultimately you're with him for eternity. But I'm telling you today, you all, open your eyes, open your heart. If you're not a Christian here, that's fine. But I would challenge you this year, ask Jesus if he's real. Simple prayer. Jesus, if you're real, show me. Show me. And in that revelation, when he is revealed to you, live for him, you all. The crazy thing is, is to have him revealed to you and then still dismiss him. The Bible says it's best that you have never known than to know. Because yet though he's a God of love, he's a God of wrath. He's a God that realizes that what he has purposed and what he has set out will come to an end. His kingdom will never come to an end. For eternity, he'll reign and he'll rule with those who belong to him. But this earth, this creation, and all that is within it, it's going to have to endure his wrath. It's going to have to endure his wrath. And that's why he's a just God. He is faithful. He is slow to anger. His desire is that none of us will perish, but that all would come to a saving knowledge of what he did through his son Jesus to save mankind. Like, come this way. Live this way. Be my people, and I will be your God. I will protect you. I will keep you. But the world is going to hate you. Just as they hated me, they're going to hate you. But I want you to consider it joy. Because you're to live different than the world. You don't go the way of the world. Is the world drawing you? It ought not to. I'm so impressed when I see, you know, people who have a platform live a godly Christian life. I mean, there's a lot of athletes that you can look at. And no matter what and how and who or whatever, they don't give up on their faith in Christ. 
They stand with the assurance of who Christ is. And when I watch these athletes, not all of them, but the, the few that claim Christ, their life backs it up. Because they're not saying, Jesus, thank you, God, and then living a, a, a crazy life. <laughs> like, see, their life backs up what they're saying. Same with some musicians or, or artists or Christian pastors or evangelists who have a platform. Like, see, their life backs up their talk. And so it is should be with you and I. Like, our life should back up our talk. It should. And if it isn't, then something's wrong. And that's why this verse is our verse for this year. For the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk. It is living by God's power. To live differently. To act differently. Some of us just need to believe and say, God, through the rest of this year, through the rest of these days of this year, I am committed to seeking you. And here's the beauty of the gospel and of the word of God. He says, if you seek me, you'll find me. If you seek me with your whole heart, not with a divided heart. Oh, I've got one foot in church and, and, and Jesus and believing Jesus, but I got one foot in the world because it feels a little comfortable over here. You won't find him. He is not moved by a divided heart. No, he's looking for people who have a heart towards him. What's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your body, with all of your strength, with your whole being. And when I was reading through that journal last night in my formative years, early years as a Christian, man, the struggle was real. My sister gave me this picture years ago. And that's the struggle. I don't know if you ever looked at that picture, but that's the flesh being pulled off. Don't you think that your flesh in this world and the enemy is just going to let you go? Oh no, it's going to come right up on you. That's why I love that one Spider-Man movie, though I didn't enjoy the Venom movie. But I love the Spider-Man with the Venom character. That struggle, remember that, 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 I don't know if you've seen it, but that, I think they were in that tower and that bell, and every time that bell, you, ah, and there was that pull, when I saw that movie, it gave me such flashbacks in my early years as a Christian because that's what it felt like. It felt like this struggle, that this stuff was attached to me and it didn't want to let me go. And so it is with you. Don't think just because you're sitting in church that your flesh, the world, and the enemy is just going to step back. Oh no. Those are the three things that are warring against your soul. They want to see your soul destroyed. But God, you all, steps in. Says, if you follow me, if you let me sit on the throne of your heart, if you would confess and believe that I am the Son of God, then you're mine. And yet though you will be challenged, and yet though you would have to endure trials and tribulations, you will be victorious. 
because your position is in me. It's not in yourself. It's not in your baggage. It's not in your old person. It's not in the past. It's not in anything. It's not even in your future. It's just in me. So remain in me. That's why when Jesus says you have to abide in me, because apart from me, you can do nothing. And in the seasons of my life, when I chose to kind of go my way to allow my issues resurface, I didn't abide in him. So where else will I go? And that's why I tell you all the time, we talk about this on Friday. Don't be shocked when people who say they're Christians fall. Because where else are they going to go but to the flesh, to the world, to the enslavement of what the enemy offers? And so Paul understood this. And that's why he's writing to this church in Corinth and telling them, Listen, you're being persuaded. You're becoming arrogant. You're becoming prideful. You've got a lot of talk, but you have no power. And Paul, who can say to them, so what I want you to do is imitate me. As I imitate Christ. Now, do you realize who Paul was? If you don't know the Bible much, Paul was actually Saul before he came to Christ. He was a very prideful man. He was a Pharisee. He was a religious man. And he hated Christians. In fact, he rounded them up to kill them. He hated this message of Jesus. And so as he's on his way, on the road of Damascus, Jesus knocks him off his horse. Why are you persecuting me? Jesus asking. <laughs> Who are you, Lord? If you've never read about Paul, I challenge you, go read about his testimony. And Paul himself says that this gospel that I preach, man did not teach it to me. No, God was pleased to reveal himself to me through his son Jesus. And Paul went out into the Gentile nations. And the Gentiles are those people who weren't Jewish. And he told them about Jesus. And he suffered so much persecution. In fact, one of my favorite testimonies, when he was beaten to the point of death, drug out of the city that he was preaching, and he got back up, and he went right back in that city. power. So if anyone can say, imitate me as I imitate Christ, Paul could. And he could say it in a way that wasn't prideful or arrogant. But Paul is no different than you. He's just mere man. Mortal flesh. If Paul can get to a place in his walk with Christ, you can get to a place in your walk with Christ, that you can look at others and say, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Your life should be making disciples. People's lives should be impacted by the truth in which you say that you're claiming. Jesus is Lord. And not only is He Lord, but He's a life giver. He transforms. So Paul is encouraging them. 
So Paul longed to see his children in the faith manifesting Christ in their lives. In verse 17, he informs them that Timothy is on his way to them to remind you of my ways which are in Christ. I love the fact that he can entrust, Paul can entrust another believer, a young believer, to go to this church and listen to what his purpose was, to remind them of the ways which are in Christ. I mean, isn't that amazing? Like you all should be leaving here, impacting other lives with truth. From the truth that you receive... When we gather from the encouragement that you receive, not just from me, but the other believers around here, and your life should be impacting this world that's dying. Like you should be able to go and impact your schools, impact your offices, impact your family. Impact people in the in the stores and on the streets. They should see something different about you. They should. So Paul is sending this young man to this church to remind them. In other words, Timothy would remind the saints that Paul wasn't all talk, but he practiced what he preached. Verse 18 reveals that there were those in Corinth who in their pride thought Paul was trying to scare them with words, but that he was actually afraid to come to them. He assures them in verse 19 that he was indeed coming, and when he did arrive, he would expose their pride and lack of spiritual power. He knew that some of them were all talk without the power of spiritual life to back it up. Are you all talk and, not, and don't have the power to back it up? You can't go around saying you're a Christian when you're not. Stop it. You can't post scripture here and scripture there and then in the next post it be the most filthiest thing, selfish thing. That's confusing. And it shows your confusion. See, we as the church have got to awaken to truth. And you know what's sad? Is that for us adults who have influence over children, they're watching you. They're watching you. You come to church, but there's no influence, there's no power. Why are our Christian youth lacking in power? I say look at the parents. Look who have access to them. And listen, I've said this before because God corrected me. I used to think the norm was crazy. And the odd stuff, and the odd was the youth that I would meet that have an incredible walk with God. Like, that's odd. Like, something is, wow, that's, that's strange. And the Lord said, that's not strange. That's how it should be. 
I want you to ask yourself, how many times have you said, well, that's just, that's just kids. That's just what kids do. That's just, oh, they're going to have to explore. And they're going to have just to, you know. What? That's what kids of rebellion does. <laughs> but how to influence your kids is to live a godly life. It's funny that we want to demand of them to live right. And there's no righteousness in you. We want to demand them to walk right and to act right. And you're not walking right. You're not acting right. We tear them down with our words and then we draw them close to tell them we love them. And then you wonder why they get into abusive relationships. Because you've abused them most of their lives. Drawing them in and drawing them out. Pulling them in and pulling them out. See, we've got to wake up. And the crazy thing is that's how the world it lives. The church should be different. The church should be different. And the raising of children and in the relationships that we have, see, our lives are to honor Jesus. Our lives are to honor Jesus, you all. In every aspect of our lives, raising our children, finances, relationships. People think that they're saved and they're not. They're sitting in church with a lot of talk, but with no power. And that's where we have to come to the reality. Like, is this just all talk? And that's why I'm challenging you this year. Set out. Set out to, to, to say, God, I'm all in. I don't know everything. And that's fine because you don't know everything. I don't know everything. But set out this year to say, God, I will seek after you. I want to do what is right. And I can't do it in myself. God, I want to trust you. Like, God, if you're real, reveal yourself to me. Like, we got to wake up, you all. The weirdness that is going on in the body of Christ in the West is crazy. You see, there's a lot of conferences. There's a lot of Bibles. There's a lot of Christian schools. There's a lot of this and a lot of that. And yet we're the, the most ignorant people of the word. It's absolutely insane that the access that we have doesn't change us. Doesn't change us. Are you changed, you all? Because you have to ask yourself, when you get up from here today, what are you going back to? That you know good and well is not honoring God, but somehow... The enemy come has come in and said to you, did God really say? Like, see, so we have our excuses of why we stay in rebellion. But God is not pleased with our excuses. He wants us to live with purpose and empowered. The three P's for this year. Purity, purpose, and power. 
Remember that. Purity of heart, of soul, of mind. <coughs> of purpose. Your eyes on Jesus. So that you can walk in power. In power to accomplish His purpose, His plan for your life. For your life. This is what we must seek after. This is what we must be going after. If Jesus isn't who you want, then that's your choice. I respect people's decisions. But just know in the end, you'll get what you want. An eternity apart from him. That's your choice, not his choice. See, there's work to be. There's work to do. I keep telling you, the world is the world is growing darker. So you should be growing brighter. You're not to look like the world. You're not to act like the world. You're not to be in the world. Your position is in Christ. So you need to take some inventory of your heart and of your life. I'm going to challenge you. Let's be a people of character this year. Take inventory of your heart and of your life. Is God honored in this? And if he isn't, then what on earth are you sitting in it for yet another year? And another year? And another year? Because remember, doing the same thing over and over and over, expecting a different result is insanity. It's insanity. When I was reading through my journal, as I said earlier, it was insanity. Because I kept doing the same thing over and over and over and over, expecting a different result, and nothing happened. It wasn't until I bowed my knee. See, at the end of the journal, that's what I wrote. I have finally surrendered. God, I'm yours. I don't know how to live this Christian life, but God, I'm yours, okay? I surrender. I've tried everything. Nothing worked. I surrender. I will trust you. Are you trusting him? Take inventory of your heart and of your life. And yes, the hardest thing is to change in your life. Like I told you about earlier, this man that I'm listening to, he's not a Christian, but his motive is change your thoughts, change your life. He has, he's applying biblical truth, but without power. Though yet lives are changing, because again, you can put kingdom principles into practice, and they will manifest fruit in your life, but you're not connected to the source. That's why I always tell you when you share the gospel, please don't go talking about the kingdom and, and, and the benefits of the kingdom. Oh, come, come, come to Jesus and listen, you're going to prosper. You're going to have this, you're going to have that. You've got a lot of people seeking the benefits of the kingdom and do not, they don't even know the king. They don't even know the king. So we, 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 we preach this watered down gospel that people seem to, seem to think that they're in. But in reality, they're out. Change your mind. And so again, 
don't live an insane life. Look, take inventory of your heart, of your thoughts. And if you don't know the word, you don't know the standard, not that man says, but that God has put in place, then get in the word. Challenge yourself this year. God, I'm in it. I don't know everything, but I'm in it. I didn't know anything when I finally got to that point of surrender. Like, okay, I surrender. Now, how do I live? That's what I kept asking him. How do I live now? And listen, there are going to be relationships. There's going to be, you know, items in your life and people in your life that may have to be removed. I had a wonderful life. I had a beautiful condo on the beach. My life was all together in the world sense. I was about to build this beautiful home on the beach. I would have never wanted anything else in life. I was set. But God said, now that you're surrendered, now that you're mine, come from this place. And I told you all before, it's the hardest thing to do. But what about this? What about money? What about house? What, where am I going to go? What, 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 what? Huh? My biggest fear as a child was to be in poverty, to be in lack. To go back when I was a child and, and go times without lights or go times without food or, or watching things suffer or having to be taken to my aunt's house to, to have provision in order to, to take a bath, you know, or have to do this or have to do that. And I hated it. And I said at a young age, remember what I said earlier? Even though there was waves and seasons when Jesus was there, but there was also more waves and seasons where I pushed him out of the way and said, I'm going to do me. And I've got to face this fear. And I didn't face it with Jesus. I faced it with myself back when I was younger. And now all of a sudden, what? You're calling me to surrender, but now I've got to walk out of this relationship. I've got to walk out of this security. I don't know what or where I'm going. And I told y'all, it was the most freeing moment in my life when I got up off that ground. I wasn't afraid. I said, okay, God, I don't know what's ahead of me. But I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you no matter what. And trusting him, like I told you all, and don't expect it to be a cakewalk. Don't expect to be floating on clouds and sing a hallelujah for the rest of your life. No, trusting him, you're going to have to endure. You're going to go through this world as a stranger to this world. This world hated him. It's going to hate you. Your choices and your decisions to honor Christ is not going to be popular in this world. So when you go back and you start checking your heart and doing inventory of where you are at in your life and you see this area of my life is not honoring Jesus, then I'm going to tell you now, you better make the decision to honor him. God, I surrender it, so I'm going to let it go. 
I'm living in an immoral life. My life is not matching up in this area of my life to your truth and to your word. And I will not go another year, another day, another month living a life that is not honoring you. You see, we have to become committed. And that's why we have this scripture in front of us all year. That the kingdom of God is just not a lot of talk. But it's a power. And that's why Paul is writing to the church of Corinth. That's why he's sending Timothy there to remind them. What exactly does Paul mean by these words? He simply means that the kingdom of God is not concerned with your words, but with your actions. Again, Paul practiced what he preached. He lived the truth he taught. He did, how did he do this? By the power of the Spirit of God. Remember remember Romans 14, verse 17. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God refers here to the spiritual reality where those in the kingdom prove the reality of their profession by a godly character produced by the Holy Spirit. Did you hear that? That's how your life should be transformed. Not that you would reach perfection, but that you're growing. And just because you never reach perfection on this earth does not mean that you do what everyone else does and use the excuse, well, I'm only human. Surely God doesn't expect me to live an upright moral life. That is so contrary to the word of God. As I said earlier, these Christian youth that I meet, that should be the norm. Adult Christians that I meet, their lives lining up with the word of God, that should be the norm. Especially in the church. Especially in the church. Not in the world. You can't expect that of those who are lost. But if you're sitting in the church, that should be the expectation. Not that you come to church and then go right back out and live however you want. No, there has to be progress. Because again, where those in the kingdom prove the reality of their profession out of their mouth by living a godly character produced by the Holy Spirit, not of your flesh, Not trying to do good, but just trusting in Jesus and to be good. Because you're in Christ. You see, Paul demonstrated the reality of his faith and his burden for the Corinthians is that they too would back up their words with real power. The power of a holy life lived out in the power and energy of the Spirit of God. Remember, the world does not want to live this way. The enemy wants to strip down Jesus and to strip down his message and pervert it to keep people enslaved. And you have a choice this year, as you've had a choice the previous years. Remain a slave or walk as a freed man or a freed woman. It's your choice. It's my choice. You know, my doctor looked at me the other day and said, Rob, there's something seriously wrong with you. You see, the test that I'm looking at is not the test that I'm or- I ordered, but the test that this, ner- this, this blood woman at Quest ran by her own doing. But thank goodness she did, because it shows something is really wrong with you. You need to go see a cancer doctor again. I looked at that man like he was crazy. Are you serious? I said, devil, as I was walking out. 
Jesus <laughs> is who I belong to. You see, at some point in my life, I'm going to die. But until I take my last breath, may the words of my Lord be on my lips. You see, you're going to die. Every single one of you. And listen, as a child, as a small child, I was afraid of death. And you, if you read my crazy journal, you say, this man is absolutely fixated on death. Because I was, the majority of my life, I could not sleep. You know what I used to do? I used to go sit in a hot bathtub until it got really cold. All through the hours of the night. My mom used to have to come in. Robbie, get up out of that tub. What's wrong? I, I can't sleep. I can't sleep. I was so afraid of death. It controlled my mind and my thoughts. And for the majority of my life, I tried to be evil. I, I went to darkness to control death. That's how I'm going to defeat it. But then I was told of the one who came to destroy death. And I found this scripture in the Bible that says Jesus came so that those who have a fear of death would be at peace. Do you have peace, you all? No matter what your age is, do you have peace? That if today was the last day on, your, on this earth, or you get the doctor report that things don't look good. Or you're driving down the road in a van. And you get in a horrible accident. And today's your last day. What on earth is going to be on your lips? I would tell you. You want to know? Check your heart. Because what's on your lips is what's in your heart. What's on your lips is what's in your heart. And if he is not on, in your heart, if he is not Lord of your life, not just because you come to church every now and then, <laughs> or you open up the Bible every now and then, or you post a little encouraging post every now and then. No, 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 no. He's not moved by your now and thens. He's moved by those who have a sincere heart towards him and who has confessed with a profession that he is God. And that then their lives are transformed and prove that he's God. See, that's what a life transformed does. It doesn't show anything good about you. Oh, look what a good man he's become. Look what a good woman she's become. No, 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 no. What your life does when it's transformed by the power of God is proof that he's God. I posted a seven-minute video today. And I even posted a longer video a few weeks ago, this gang member. And if you haven't watched that, it's pretty long. But I'm telling you, this man and what he used to be in the city of Miami, whoo! But today I posted this short video of this young guy <coughs> who was enslaved into thinking that he was a woman, enslaved <coughs> in being a gay prostitute, enslaved to bisexuality, And God delivered him. Not only delivered him, but delivered his boyfriend. And not only did he deliver him and his boyfriend, delivered his mother who was in the occult. His life is making impact. You see, your life is to be made and to be impacting. 
I can't stand up and say, God delivered me. Oh, I surrendered. And then you all see me in the club. <laughs> Acting a fool. Speaking vileness out of my life. And out of my mouth. And then if you read this crazy journal, that's what I did in the formative years of my life as a Christian. I was here and there, here and there, here and there. And I was the most kick in the most chaotic mess of my life. You can't live one foot in the kingdom and one foot out. You're either in or you're out. There's no in between, you all. There's no in between. So stop fooling yourself. And you can say, oh, well, that's just what you believe, Rob. Well, then go open your Bible. And I've said this to, for, to many a people. If you can show me in the Bible where I have a right to live how I want, please show me. Because I'll be the first to say, oh, I'm going back. But you won't find it. Nowhere. So you've got to stop adding things on to the Christian life. And make you know what it's not. It's a life of surrender to his lordship. And then his lordship empowers you because you've been given the Holy Spirit. Could you imagine this? If you really have the understanding that you have the Holy Spirit living inside you. This is the power of God. This is God himself inside you. And you know what the Bible says? You better not be living a life that grieves the Holy Spirit. Think about that the next time you act a fool. And you say, but come on, I'm always, I'm always going to make mistakes, right? Like, oh, come on, it's always going to be this or that. Listen. First John says, I write to you that you will not sin. But if you do remember Jesus. In Hebrews, it says, if you continually, willfully, deliberately sinning after knowing the truth, there's not even any hope for you to be saved. Ooh, and that bothers people. Listen, as long as you always feel conviction, there's an opportunity for you to be saved. But you keep living a life. You keep living a life. Knowing truth and dismissing him. Keep going. Keep going. Keep choosing. Keep choosing. Keep choosing. Keep choosing. Keep allowing the Holy Spirit's conviction to be pushed aside. And you're going to endure such wrath. It's your choice. Again, I... I respect you however you want to live. But I'm challenging you all. This year, we've got to grow up. We've got to become men and women and young guys and young girls of character. Of character. Of power. Of love. And of a sound mind. Do the inventory. Check your heart. Let's start getting real. If you're saying Jesus is Lord, if you're not, then just keep doing what you're doing and enjoy it. The crazy thing is, is a lot of people are doing what they are doing and they're miserable. Miserable. And yet they keep doing it. And then they want to keep throwing up on you. Oh, my life. After a while, you just got to go, listen, go throw up on someone else. 
It's you who are choosing to continue to do this. It's your choice. As you think, so you go. That's what the Word of God says. So keep going your way. It's your choice. But I'm going to stand every time I have an opportunity to be in front of you to remind you that Jesus is Lord and you ought not to be a people just of words, but you're to be a people of power. Your life is to be displaying the power of God. Proof that He is God and God alone. Remember, I shared this with you on New Year's Eve. Your norm is not the norm. What has been your norm has held you captive. It's time to walk in freedom, true freedom. John 8, 34, verse 36 says, You are truly free if the Son has set you free. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, The old life is gone, a new life has begun. Psalm 34, verse 14, All last year we, we said this to each other, Turn from evil, do good, seek for peace, and work hard to maintain it. So this upcoming year, let's be doers of the word. Let's live out what we have received. Let's press in and not give up or go back. Listen, you're going to get up from this place and you're going to go back to where the things and the people you ought not to be going back to. I'm telling you all. This year, this year, say no more. You may have to move outward from where you're at. You may have to put up a standard and say, nope, nope. I'm trusting Jesus. I'm going his way. <clears throat> Five traits that I'm going to hold each of you accountable this year. Five traits. of how you're to be living devoted to the word of God devoted to the word of God I don't care what your age is are you opening up the word do you know how many people I've heard this year tell me I'm going to be committed to reading the Bible this year I've heard it from so many people and then a few of them that I followed up on like, oh yeah, my life's busy. Oh yeah. I'm like, we're only 12, 13 days in. If you're sitting in this room and you told me that that's a goal for you, I haven't asked you yet. But how's it going for you? Do you recognize your flesh does not want you to sit down and read the living word? The world does not want you to sit down and read and hear how you can be free. And the enemy of your very soul wants to blind your eyes and deafen your ears. Keep them busy with other stuff. Do you know what hit me years ago that really changed my life? And I have to remind myself, even to today, who controls my schedule? Me. It's me. It's you. Oh, but my job, this, this, this. No, 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 no. It's you. When we are out of control, we lack discipline. And you can try to be disciplined in every, everything else, in your eating and your exercise and this and that, but now that just it helps your temporal body. 
If you're not disciplined in that which strengthens your spiritual man or woman, again, you can have the temporalness of life, but that's all you're going to end up with. When you last breath is gone, that's all you have. But oh, come on. That is be people of the word. That is be devoted to the word. That is be committed to prayer. That is be in a place where we expect everyone to share the gospel. I want you to expect miracles. And I want you to embrace the suffering that comes along with being a Christian. Oh, my friends are bullying me because I'm a Christian. Well, find it joy. <laughs> Keep going in there and living right. Well, people at work think I'm nuts. Well, that's fine. But love them. Serve them. You know how you deal with your enemies and the bullies? Love them. Serve them. Let them see that their words and their actions, do, they, they can't pierce your soul. Bullies only know one thing. When they know they can pierce your soul, they ride you until you break. But if you would stand up for once. I mean, Jesus... He endured the most intense bullying. <laughs> and he came out victorious. So this year, these five traits are, this wasn't the first time we heard it, these are the five traits. This is what pastors over in areas of the word world where the church is being persecuted, that they hold their members to. Because they live a life of power. Not just words. So again, our scripture this year, 1 Corinthians 4, verse 20. For the kingdom of God is just not a lot of talk. It is living by God's power. And then I encouraged you all this year, let this be your prayer. And if you don't have these notes, they're already posted. You should go and copy them. Print it out in front of you. This should be where you discipline yourself to pray this daily. Pray, Lord, help us to pray fervently, to avoid sin victoriously, to learn God's way deeply, to give to God cheerfully, to worship God faithfully, to glorify God consistently, to love God wholeheartedly, and to trust God immediately. And watch your life change, you all. Watch how you are going to grow and mature. Or we can go through another 365 days and find ourselves right where we're at. And it's your choice. But I do not want to be where I've been. I want more, you all. I want to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I believe that God is real, you all. I believe it with every fiber within me. And that's why when I do wrong, <laughs> I feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And I go, oh, this flesh. <laughs> God, I'm sorry. And repentance isn't a, a sorry game where, where you just say, oh, I'm sorry. Oops, I'm sorry. Oops, I'm sorry. No, it's a really genuine. Like you're sorrowful. Like, oh, God, that's the old man. That's the old woman. God, I'm sorry, but not only am I sorry, I'm going away from it. 
See, a true repentance, if you say, well, I've repented, but if you keep going back, you didn't really repent. You just played the sorry game. True repentance is turning away from God no matter what. I am not going back, not in my power, but in yours. God, I will hit my knees if I have to. That's why when the Bible talks about sexual sin, it says to flee from it, to run from it. Don't just sit and let your thoughts kind of conjure up all these images. Don't stay on the computer looking at porn. Don't keep watching things that, that entice it within you. No, you've got to kill these things in your life. You got to get up and you got to trust God that He is good and that His love endures forever. I want you to hear this devotional today. Ephesians 1. Be imitators of God. This guy writes A trap of the human conscience is to think that God wants us to be loving. Gracious, generous, and all those other good things because he wants us to behave ourselves and get along with each other. That would, in fact, be a wonderful byproduct of spiritual maturity, but it isn't the goal. No, the goal is much deeper than that. It is to be like God. That is our goal as Christians. Not that you will be God. <laughs> Don't get confused as some people who claim to be Christians teach but you're to have his characteristics. Your goal is to grow, to be more Christ-like. And it is obtainable, not because of man or anything you can do, but because of all that he has done. Remember, if you're a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit inside you. And you're to be living a life, not grieving him. You can't be taking God to these God-forsaken places. And you can't be taking God to a bed that doesn't belong to your spouse. You can't keep doing things that does, that does not honor God and say the things and do the things and act this way that you know doesn't honor God. Stop doing it, especially if you're calling yourself a Christian. You want to honor God. As creatures designed to reflect His image, we've fallen tragically short of this goal. God's restoration offered in the cross of Jesus and the gift of the Holy Spirit puts us back on the image of the God track. God wants us to be loving, gracious, and generous, and all those other good things because He is all of those things. Any good father would want to instill his values and character into his children. And our God is a very good father. He wants us to be like him. That's a different approach to maturity than many of us usually take. We want to fulfill the requirements, at least the minimum, and get by with better than average growth. We seek a Christianese form of self-improvement. But God has so much more for us than self-improvement. His greater desire for us is God conformity. We are being drawn by His Spirit into a new role, from servants to children. Both must comply with the Father's wishes. Only one can really inherit His genes and grow in His character. Have you approached the fruit of the Spirit as items on a list? A list that primarily about you and your growth? 
You need to look higher than that. They are aspects of God's character that He is fully intent on having you share. He is relentless in pursuit of His image being found in you. He won't diverge from the goal, neither should we. God wants us to love because He is love. He wants us to be pure because He is pure. He wants us to be forgiven because He has forgiven. He wants us to give because He has given. The list could go on, and in fact it should. Everything we do should be done with one question in mind. Does this look like my Father? Oh, listen to that last question. And ask yourself daily as you're going through your life, does this look like my father? And I love this quote here. We are shaped and fashioned by what we love. We are shaped and fashioned by what we love. The greatest commandment, as I said earlier, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your body, and with all of your strength. And now I'm closing. I know it's a lot. But I'm not sure if you're feeding on the Word. And I've just got this moment of time on Sundays to to get the Word in front of you. But we're closing here. 1 Peter. If you have a Bible, turn to it. If you have a phone, pull up the Bible app. Because I want you to see this. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. It's a, a, verses that we've read before. But I wanted to get them before us yet again this year. The hope of eternal life is only found in Jesus. In Jesus, you all. He is the way, He is the truth, He is the life. Again, you can settle for the temporalness of life. I'm not quite sure why you want to settle for that. Nothing good will come from it. There's so much more that he has for us, y'all. He is alive. In fact, the first ministry and church that God called Gilda and I to, that was its name. He's Alive Ministries. To go forth and promote and, and, and encourage people to know that He is alive. That it's not by our doing, it's all by His. And now we walk in a new fellowship and church. Our name of our church is True Freedom Fellowship. True meaning genuine. It's not a fake, it's not a facade, this freedom in which we preach. It's a genuine freedom. Am I perfect? No. Are you perfect? No. But I'm striving to be more Christ-like. Are you striving to be more Christ-like? That's where freedom is found only in Christ. And then fellowship. A group of people who come together with the same heart to say, we're not perfect. But we want more of Jesus. And we want to gather together and be around each other to encourage each other, to build each other up, to pray for each other, to open the Word together, to celebrate life together, to mourn together when it's time to mourn, to be a family. A family. 
and that the world will know that we belong to Him by our love for one another. By our love for one another. Because that love comes first from God and to God. So this hope of eternal life found in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Here we go. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by His great mercy that we have been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. It's all about Jesus, you all. Now we live with a great expectation and we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive the salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. So be very glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. There is going to come a day where every knee is going to bow, saved or unsaved. (laughs) Those who are saved will enter in. Those who aren't will be cast out. But Jesus Christ will be revealed to all as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And those whose faith have endured, those who have placed their hope in Jesus, will receive the fullness of his salvation. Oh, what a day we all should be looking forward to. Oh, what a day we all should be looking forward forward to and as we're looking forward to that day we should be living with transforming power in our lives preparing us to enter in you don't hear this preached in many churches and how sad people just show up for church and fall right back out they ought not to be Goes on, you love him even though you have never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him. And you rejoice with a glorious and expressible joy. The reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. This salvation was something even the prophets wanted to know more when they prophesied about this glorious salvation prepared for you. They wondered what time or situation the Spirit of Christ within them was talking about when he, held, when he told them in advance about Christ's suffering and his great glory afterward. They were told that their messages were not for themselves but for you. And now this good news has been announced to you by those who preached in the power of the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. It is all so wonderful that even the angels are eagerly watching these things happen. And you know what brought me back to this verse? It's that man I was telling you about earlier. Listen, not only is the principle he's using about changing your mind, change your life, he says, suffer 
and you'll receive the benefit from it. And when I keep hearing him say that over and over, it reminded me of the scripture. I said, man, this dude and I have got to sit down because he's almost there. <laughs> like he's applying biblical principles. He understands. And that's what I told you. He used to be a thug. He used to want to give this image off to people so that they would be afraid of him. But he said when he, when he saw himself in that mirror, he said, you know what? I'm shaving my head. I'm pulling up my pants and I'm going to start living differently. And he had to suffer. And when he went, got into the Navy SEALs, he was overweight. One guy, one recruiter took, it, took notice of him and saw his determination. And he says, well, over the next few months, this is what you have to do. And I'm telling you, if you listen to this man's story of what he put himself through, even the, oh my goodness, these Navy SEALs, what they have to endure just to become a Navy SEAL. He said that, he said, it's, it wasn't someone forced me to be a Navy SEAL. It was my choice. And I had to put in the work. But the suffering, and that these men, these instructors, these, these sergeants or whoever they are in the Navy, when, when they, were, they held him to, to a place where he was being bombarded and having him do things in hopes that he would drop out from being a Navy SEAL. <laughs> but he endured. The crazy thing is he hated water. He couldn't swim. He had to learn how to swim. He had to learn how to carry the stuff and then go in and then bob up and down and do all these things that they forced him to do. And I'm listening to him talk. Like I told you, if you get the book or you listen to it, he's, he's vile. <laughs> like his mouth is, whoo, the language. I go, oh my goodness. But I'm enduring through it because I'm, I'm challenged by this guy. I've, I've drawn to him, to, to, to his, his teaching and, and how he's encouraging people. But he just knows the principles of the Bible, but he doesn't know the king. And I want him to know the king. I want to wash his mouth out with soap. I listen to his motivational stuff that he does on YouTube, and he doesn't curse. I'm like, what on earth are you writing and talking all this craziness? Because I was thinking, you can't get onto a platform and just be vile like you are. Like I said, Gil, you got to listen on the way home. Oh, Gil was like, what? Oh, goodness. I mean, the words... That's how I used to speak. But when he was talking about suffering, I said, oh my goodness. Like, dude, you have the principles, but you don't have the king. You need the king. Look at what we're going to have to endure. That's why I keep telling y'all, endure, suffer. But it's hard. If I make this choice to get out of this relationship, if I choose not to go this way, if I choose to stop this, it's going to hurt. Yes, it's going to hurt. But trust me, in the end, it's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it. The call to holy living. So prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So you must live as God's obedient children. Listen to this. Don't slip back into your old way of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. 
But now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say you must be holy because I am holy. And remember that the Heavenly Father to whom you pray has no favorites. He will judge, listen to this, or reward you according to what you do. So you must live in reverent fear of Him during your time here as a temporary resident. Listen, this earth is not your home. You're just here for a brief time. There is something beautiful awaiting you. If you're a Christian. <laughs> for you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Jesus Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God, chose Him as your ransom. God chose Him as your ransom long before the world began. But now in these last days, He has been revealed for your sake. Through Christ, you have come to trust in God. And you have placed your faith and hope in God because he raised Christ from the dead and gave him great glory. You are cleansed from your sins when you obey the truth. So now you must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. Love each other deeply with all of your heart. For you have been born again, but not to a life that will quickly end. Your new life will last forever because it comes from the eternal living word of God. As the scriptures say, people are like grass. Their beauty is like a flower in the field. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And that word is the good news that was preached to you. Chapter 2, verse 1 through 3 is where we're stopping. So get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech. Like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into the full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness. Come on, you all. I can't change you. Only He can. Do you believe? And if you're sitting here today and you're not a Christian, then I want to challenge you. Why don't you believe? What on earth has captivated you? Because it's only temporalness. <clears throat> like Jesus Christ, you all, he is alive. He's just not a man from a book. He just wasn't a good man who walked on the earth. No, he was God himself. In flesh, who came for the sole purpose of saving you, of saving you, to free you from rebellion, to turn you from evil to do good, to empower you so that you may live. Norma has an opportunity to go to Turkey in March. So for the month of February, we're raising support for her. A little jar be set out there. Everyone should be contributing to the kingdom of God. Everyone should. 
Each of you, if you're a Christian, you should be sowing in. No matter how much you want to put in, you should be sowing in. Rather, it's for this cause or for any other cause that we as a fellowship put out in front of us. We want to give. We want to sow in. So she's going to Turkey, which is a very dangerous place to go for Christians. So I'm going to ask you to pray for her. Pray for her and the team that she's going with. They're going to go to a place where Christians are thrown in prison. Where they're persecuted. But Norma's life has been transformed by the power of God. And now she has a heart to reach the Muslim faith. And so God is sending her. So I want her to come share for a moment. And when she's finished, I'm going to play the last song. And then I'll close us in prayer. So, uh, yes, my heart is towards the unreached people of the world. And specifically the Muslim population. Uh, anyone that is lost. But as I've been studying, um, if you're lost, it's because you want to be lost here in America. But when we're talking about the unreached people, they're, it's those kind of people where they have never had the opportunity to hear the gospel. They don't have churches around. They don't have Christians around. As I've been studying about this country in specific, is population-wise close to 83 million uh, millions people in that country. 99% uh, they are Muslim. Point and a half they are Christian. But those Christians are uh, on the ground. Um, so anyway, so hopefully, and I know that God will do an amazing work in this country uh, using us. Uh, but I would encourage you guys to honestly daily pray, not only for me, but for the group, the people that are going to go to this country. But I pray that, um, that at the same time, you guys will be able to support me financially, uh, even if it's $5. I always say that as a joke, but honestly, uh, um, we're talking seriously, and I have uh, other opportunity, which I already shared with my brother. Um, my heart, honestly, is in the Middle East. It's something about the Middle East that is unbelievable. My passion for the people in the Middle East, and um, uh, it's a possibility of me moving. Uh, I don't know for how long to the Middle East, but it's another country which I'm not going to say. Um, but um, so just keep that in prayer. Uh, doors is open, They're getting open for me to make a. Uh, but it's not going to be like right away of whatever God decides to do, but it's, it's getting closer for that. But anyway, so I just pray for you guys too, and I would encourage you to pray daily for that too. Um, and you know, as I've been in study, it's just that the purpose of the church and the one to worship in God with all our heart, mind, and soul, uh, to encourage each other, to build each other up, to love each other. And the third one, which is the last thing that Jesus said before he went back to heaven, is to go and make disciple uh, to them, to those to, around the world. And I believe that that's one of the purpose of the church too. And I hope that even though that you guys don't are able to go with me or, or go to those countries where I feel that God is calling me, I pray that you guys, even if you are not able to go, just to help me to be able to go. Because if I, if, if you definitely am moving to this country, uh, I will need your support. 
because there's no way that I'm going to be able to go there and do what God is calling me without the financial support, which it will be like a monthly commitment from whoever decides to help me out to, to, to go be able to go and serve. So, Father God, I thank you so much for the calling that you have placed in my heart, Father. Uh, this is not anything about me. It's you, Father, and how you are working all things out for good for those who love you and are called according to your purpose, Father God. So I pray, Lord Jesus, that all of us will be encouraged and that we will be sowing to the kingdom of heaven, Father God, because you were declared, Father God, to uh, seek first the kingdom of uh, heaven and everything that will be added to us, Father God. You declare, Jesus Christ, you will command us to go and make disciples and to baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and to teach them to obey everything that you have entrusted us, Father God, and to know that you will be with us until the very end, Father God. And I believe in that with all my heart, Lord Jesus. And you declare, Lord, like Paul said, Lord Jesus, that I, 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 I no longer live, but Christ live in me, Father God. And uh, I, I'm, I'm thankful, Father, for, for what you are doing in us and in through us, Father God. And I pray that each of us, Father God, will contribute not only uh, financially, Father, but I definitely uh, pray, Lord, that they will pray daily uh, for what is ahead of us and in this country and in the country that you are calling me to, Father God. So I just thank you so much in advance for, and I pray for those who we are going to be able to talk to in this country, Father God. I pray that even now, Lord Jesus, that you are preparing their heart to receive the good news, Father. Uh, and I pray, Lord, for your will to be done here on this earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen.